Yeah. Or if you go to ACB, what do they got? They've got white bread. They got Texas toast. They got whole wheat bread. They got rye bread. They got seven wonders of the world bread. And that's just in the bread section. Uh, no yeast bread. I mean, they've got all kinds of different breads. So you got all these different choices. And that's just in the bread section. Then you go up to the deli section where they have fresh bread. They have the French bread, the French bread that they actually cooked there, French bread where they sent in from somewhere. And you, I mean, you got all these different options of bread. And bread is something that is evil, that's equal and available to everyone around the world. So some places they don't call it bread, they call it tortillas. Y'all heard that? All right. But it's bread, isn't it? Okay, maybe it's not. It is bread. All right, let me help you. Let me help you with that. It is bread. Okay. All right. And then in India, they call it naan and naan is some good stuff. All right. So everywhere you go, bread is bread and it is good and it's available to everyone. And in most places around the world, they go to the market every single day and they get their fresh vegetables and their food and they get bread. It is a common commodity. And so as we continue our series on the I am, it's an interesting concept that Jesus gives to us whenever he says to us in John chapter six, I am the bread of life. All right. Bread is for who? Everyone. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. So in other words, I am the bread that is for everyone that brings life. So kind of kind of pull back the curtain. If you're new to faith or experiencing checking out this whole faith thing, we're kind of zoning in on some things that Jesus has taught specifically about himself. And so he has seven different sayings about himself. I am, which he's identifying himself with God. And we talked about that last week. And then this week we're going to dig into, he's saying, I am identifying with God. But then the I am is also the bread of life. And we have a bird. So y'all just keep going. Don't worry about it. All right. Other places around the world that have bread, they also have rats in their service. And we don't have that. We just have birds. Okay. Y'all good. Is that going to be distracting? We, we planned this. This is part of the bread thing. Okay. So we'll feed them at the end of the service. All right. So have your Bibles. Turn with me to John chapter 6. This is going to be awesome. Y'all aren't going to listen to a word I say. If it poops on me. All right. Where are you going? All right, John chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 25 before we get to that. Previous to this, in John chapter 6, earlier, there was the feeding of the 5,000, right? And we said, hey, that was 5,000 men, so there's all these different people. So Jesus, at that moment, he fed the people what? Bread. Don't worry about that bird. He's going to be all right. He fed them bread, okay? He didn't feed them birds. He fed them bread, and he fed them fish. So two fish, five loaves of bread, and he fed 5,000 people. A miraculous event, all right? And so here we are, verse 23. It's not going to show up on the screen, so just listen with me. Again, don't worry about that bird. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. So they experienced this, this moment with Jesus already. There had been rumors going around, hey, Jesus fed 5,000 people, so there was this miracle that happened. And so they're looking for Jesus. They went across to the next place where they assumed that he went, and uh, the next city, and they crossed the lake to get there. Verse 25. When they found him, Jesus, on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Church on Sunday. Imagine with me, you're in church, we're here, and we know that, hey, this great teacher is going to be at church on Sunday, or you're anticipating this 
person, you've heard good things, and so you've seen flyers around town, and, and you're here in church, you're having your coffee, you're having your bread, your donuts, and all that's going on. And so then all of a sudden, Jesus walks in the back. This is kind of the scene. They're all at the synagogue. They're there to worship at the synagogue that day. And in comes Jesus. And they're like, hey, when did you get here? We're excited to hear from you. Verse 26. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Now, here's an interesting thing. Just before, a little bit earlier on, at the end of the feeding of the 5,000, the people recognized that they had been a part of a miracle, okay? So they understood that they'd been a part of a miracle. And so you think that that's why they would continue to pursue him, that they would follow him to Capernaum because they're like, hey, this Jesus guy just did something miraculous and we were a part of it, so we're going to follow him for that reason. But in reality, Jesus being Jesus knows, hey, they, they even missed the fact that the miracle was important, but they are following him. Why? Listen to this. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me not because of the miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. In other words, their physical needs have been met, and because their physical needs have been met, they lost what had really happened. Not just their physical needs have been, ha- been met, but a miraculous thing had been taking place. So as I was thinking through this, thinking through, okay, hey, for me, what is it, and why do I follow? Jesus is going to be drive us crazy. Why, why do I follow Jesus? What do I need from Jesus? What is it that I think that I get from him? And that we have this, this mentality that we quickly get into that we say, hey, Jesus says, hey, if you ask from me, you shall receive, right? And so we, we have this idea. And so it's easy for us to get into this and come to God, come to Jesus, say, hey, Jesus, this is what I need. This is what I request from you. And we kind of pull the slot machine thing thinking, hey, if if we pray right, if we do things right, then all of the whatever, the oranges, the bells, the apples, the cherries, all those things are going to line up in God's mind. And then everything will come out before us. And so what is it and why are, uh, are we following Jesus? What are we anticipating and expecting from him that we've already received a miracle? If you're a follower of Jesus, you've already received the miracle of faith in him when you believed in him, that you now know him. And that's a miracle, that we can have a relationship with him. But then what more do we want, is what Jesus is saying. Listen, you've experienced a miracle, you've been a part of it, and now you're continuing to follow me because you still want something from me. So it's an interesting concept for us to think about, is why do we follow Jesus? What are we expecting from him? Verse 27, do not work for food that spoils how many of you have had that moment where you go and you go get your, you think, man, I got a bologna sandwich coming or I got a turkey or club or something. And you got all the little stuff out and then you go grab from the bread box or from the bread basket and you open it up and what's on there? Mold. Penicillin, right? And you're thinking to yourself, well, there goes that sandwich. And you immediately you, you just throw away because I know. Now, some of them in the first service are like you cut it off. No. If there's penicillin in one place, there's penicillin all over. We're done. Huh? It'd be healthy. No, I'll go to the doctor and get the right penicillin. So you go, or you go to HCB or whatever. I mean, so when bread spoils, you're done with it. Do not work for food that spoils, but for bread that endures to eternal life. Now, y'all know this word life. I want to kind of open it up for you. There's two types of life. We have bios. Maybe I'll take in Biology. 
None of you. LaGrange doesn't offer biology, okay? All of you that transferred in have taken biology. So biology is life, right? This is the ultra of life. Physical life comes from that, the bios. And so throughout the New Testament, the Old Testament, there's two types of life. The bios life that God gave us, biological life, but then also when he breathed into Adam, he not only gave him physical life, but he gave him zoa life. Okay, Zoe, Zoe, some of y'all know somebody named Zoe, that literally means spiritual life, that they have a soul, and through that soul, we can have a relationship with God the Father, we can have a relationship with Jesus through that, and so Jesus is saying, listen, I've come not only that you would have bios life, but I have come that you may have eternal spiritual life, that your soul would be quenched, the things that you hunger and thirst after will be quenched in that, continuing on, on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Now, this is an idea that we don't really get anymore, but we kind of have it. Y'all, y'all, anybody check your credit scores? Oh, yeah. Some, uh, right? Okay. So it's always constantly doing this, right? So some of you have ever had your identity stolen, right? Your credit score doesn't go up. It crashes, right? Because the credit score in our culture, our society is the seal of approval. So in Jesus' day and in the old days past, the credit score, the character score was given by someone else. And so let's say I wanted to go talk to someone and I wanted to go buy a car, go buy a house. You would have to have a credit score or a character reference from someone that they would know. And so I'm going to go buy, let's say I'm going to go buy a car from LaGrange Ford, okay? And so you're going to go buy a car from LaGrange Ford. Well, they need to know that I have good credit and that I'm good for that. And so you write that out. That person would write that out that, hey, they're good credit. And they would fold that up and they would seal it with their family seal. And so that person that's at LaGrange Ford that's receiving it knows whose seal that is. They know that person. They know that person's character. And that I'm actually, they're saying that Chris has the same character, the same credit, the same who he is, is good. So that when you go to LaGrange Ford to buy it, they open it up. They already know it's good. And then they get the confirmation that, hey, this person at at Chris, at LaGrange Ford, you have the seal of approval to purchase based upon Joe's character reference. So what Jesus is saying here in this moment is, listen, I've gotten the seal of approval, the character reference of the job that I'm doing and what I'm about from the Father. That his seal is upon me and that as you look at me, you can see that I am a reflection of the Father. I've gotten his seal of approval. The work that I do, everything I do is from him and about him and by him and for him. Kind of a cool thing. Continuing on, verse 28. Then they asked him, okay, this is the Jews, the crowd, literally, in the church setting. So they're, they're talking back and forth. You ever talk to the preacher? Not very much. Okay. We like that. It makes us, it makes us get going faster. All right? So y'all can get out to eat. So then they asked him, the crowd asked him, what must we do? What must we do? What kind of works are required of us? And this is human nature. We like to earn things, right? We teach our kids to grow up and be responsible. And as they're growing up, being responsible, their toys get more expensive. Correct? So we go from Lego blocks to other things. And so you get an Xbox, you get a cell phone, whatever those things are, those things are more expensive. And as parents, we're saying, hey, listen, these are expensive things. You have to 
earn them. Some things are gifts, but many things you need to earn. Like, let's say, hey, one point you're going to get a car. To get that car, you're going to have to earn it. And to keep that car, you're going to have to earn it. So that's responsibility. So that's ingrained in our human nature. And it also carries over into our faith life in that we believe that we have to earn our salvation. We have to earn a right to have the presence and be in the presence of God the Father. Just like a king, you have to earn your right to be in front of the king. And he would say yes or no. And so we approach God that way that, hey, God, we have to earn our presence. And so, God, what good things do I have to do? What do I have to do to wash my hands? What do I have to do to get clean to be in your presence to earn that? And so here are these Jews being good Jews. That's what they've been taught. Hey, you have to do these things. You have to wash yourself and get prepared to be in the presence. What do we have to do to earn it? So even other world religions, if you were Hindu or Buddhist or that way and offered enough sacrifices so that when you die that they will see you in good light and hopefully you will enter into nirvana or enter into heaven. If you're Muslim, they have this idea of scales and balances. And even some of you as, as followers of Jesus, you still have this mindset of scales and balances that God is there, Jesus is there kind of weighing out, okay, if you do more good, then you, you, you got this good over here, and so it's, it's a good thing you got your relationship. And so that's what these dual works thing to earn your salvation, to earn a right to have a relationship. And so that's what these Jews are saying. And so here is the good news of Jesus Christ. This is why we gather on Sunday morning. This is why we do church and community groups right here, the very next verse. Jesus in verse 29. The work of God is this, to believe. And the one who sent me. That's the foolishness of the cross. Is the simplicity of the good news. The simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that there is nothing that you can do. There's nothing that I can do. To earn the right to be in the presence of God the Father. To have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The only good works that are required of us. Is to do what? Believe. And that's hard because there's nothing that measures belief. There is nothing that measures belief. There's not a belief meter that you carry around, a thermometer that says, yep, my belief meter is up, my thermometer is up. No, it is truly between you and God. And, and the only thing that maybe measures your belief is some of the works and the things that you do in response to the amazement of the grace that God has given you. And the entire time we're living in the of, listen, God doesn't require good works of me, but my response to him and to what he's given me and that it's literally cost me nothing and cost him everything, the good works go out of in pursuit of him, to belief in him. Verse 30. So they asked him, this is funny, right? What did they just experience? The feeding of the... 5,000, okay? So they've already experienced a miracle. So verse 30. So then they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give us? All right? Not very smart people, but we have the opportunity to look back. Okay? What, what, respond, what miracle sign would you give us so that we may see and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. God, show us more. God, show us more. God, God... Ching, what am I going to get from you, God? What, what, how, why do I follow you? Verse 32. So Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread that God give, 
gives is one who comes down from heaven and gives Zoa life to us, spiritual life. Verse 34, the crowd says, Sir, from now on, give us this bread. And then in verse 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life eternal. I am the bread of life eternal. Here's the thing I want you to get. If you've said yes to the bread of life, it gives to you abundantly and extravagantly. Look back at uh, verses 12 and 13 of chapter 6. When they had had enough to eat, okay, so this crowd of more than 5,000, when they had enough to eat, the disciples, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. Now, what did they start off with? Two fish and five loaves, right? Okay, so not a whole lot. God blessed it. Verse 13. So they gathered them and filled how many baskets? Twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those that had eaten. When you come to Christ, when you believe in Him, He says, come and eat. If you're in thirst, I will fulfill you. I will sustain you. You will never be hungry. Hunger and thirst after righteousness continue to come after Him. And He provides for us, all of us, abundantly and extravagantly. It cost Him everything so that we could continue to be sustained in Him. It's the goodness and the simplicity of the cross of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank You that You are the bread of life. Thank You for the simple message of how we can have eternal life in You through just believing. But Lord, that also is, that very simple message is what trips us up and so many up. Surely there has to be more. Surely we have to do more to earn the right to have a relationship with you. Lord, I pray even in this, this room this morning, if there's someone who hasn't believed upon you, that simple prayer of just saying, Father, I believe that what Jesus did on the cross for me, that today is that day, that you would just pray that prayer. That you would find freedom in not trying to have to earn and just to be. Father, we love you and praise you and exalt you as King of Kings. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen.